Hello, I'm Jack Frimston. And I'm Sarah Tabar. So me and Jack consider ourselves to be as happy as Larry most of the time, I think. But we want to know who is this Larry guy and why is he always so happy? So join us each week when we'll be having a chat about happiness in all different aspects of our lives in a quest to find out who's Larry and why he's so happy. Today we're excited to be joined by KISS FM presenter and all-round happy host Swazi Makali. The three of us met about a year ago when we were working together on International Busking Day and Swazi was such an energetic, bubbly personality, which is exactly how you need to be if you're waking up the nation every Saturday morning. It's Swazi! Hello Swazi, how are you? Hey Swazi! Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thank you, how are you? Amazing, it's so good to have you with us and we're very excited and thank you for appearing on Who's Larry today. No, I am. I need the laugh, you know, I need the banter in lockdown, so I'm glad for the invitation. <laughs> it's great to have you on. So you've got, you know, an amazing job which brings so many different levels of happiness, I can imagine, you know, when you're presenting on radio and on TV. What would you say is your happiest point across those different jobs? What's like your favourite moment, your happiest point? Oh gosh, so I host Kiss Breakfast on a Saturday morning. I host uh, the breakfast show from 6 to 9am. I'll tell you what the not so happy moment is when you have to wake up and get into the studio. That for me, the poor security guard's always looking at me like she's not done her hair. No, no. The best thing about radio, no one gets to see you at about 6 o'clock in the morning. From 7 onwards, you kind of look a bit, you know... All right, you look alive. A bit more awake. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot more awake around 7am. But I think the best moment hosting Kids Breakfast is that six o'clock link where you do put that fader up and you've got a cough beforehand to get all the croakiness out of your voice and then straight up at six o'clock, um, you say welcome to whoever's listening. And of course, you don't know who's listening at 6am, um, but getting the show going, I think is a really good moment. And then just talking as though you're talking to your best friend on radio. You're kind of telling, you know, the Saturday morning stories or what's happened Friday night and if I've had a late one and I've gone to a party in Central and then rocked up to radio the next day then that's always a good Saturday morning to start off with so yeah lots of happy moments all scattered around Saturday morning shows yeah for sure. So you think that's when like you you, because I've seen like you do you started kind of doing like the basketball in interview and stuff like that do you do stuff on stage on television you do radio so you do like an array of different things which is kind of amazing to bring different things to the table but you would say like you're at your your peak happiness when you're when you're on the radio I think my peak happiness has to be when I am just floating there's a, there's a thing that happens as a pre- so the the craziest thing about my story is that I've got all my presenter job from winning competitions I know it sounds crazy but I've just entered presenter searches and then won them, and then they've called me the next day to be like, yes, well, so you need to learn radio, or you need to learn basketball, or you need to learn Team GB because we're flying out to Paris and we're taking you with us. And you're kind of like, oh, right. So most of my journey is one, winging it, don't tell anyone, but I'm winging it. But also (laughs) two, it's having a lot of fun because I think as a host and as a presenter, your job is to bring the crux of that conversation. And a lot of the time, think about the conversations you have at home or with friends. You can't predict the peak. You, it just comes, doesn't it? And you as a presenter have to be on your toes, ready for that moment. And most of those moments come when people are having fun. And so that for me, whether that's radio, there's been times where, you know, if it's live radio, you can't predict what what's going to happen next, especially if you're co-hosting or if you're on you know, the basketball court, you don't even know if you're going to win sometimes. So part of that <laughs> energy is always thinking on your feet, always trying to think what's going to happen next and going with the flow. And I think, 
you know, a good rule of thumb for presenters, and I'm sure people listening who present, you may have 10 questions, but you got to be ready to throw question five to 10 away if question three bangs. If question <laughs> three goes off, <laughs> you got to be, you know, you got to give what people are looking for, either that's the guest or the audience. So a lot of my peak moments happen by random, and I can't predict them, to be honest. And do you have, like, moments like that? I don't know if it does because you're, like, a professional, but do you have moments where, like, you're, like, you're in a proper grump, you've woken up, you've spilt your coffee on the on the way to the studios do you know what i mean you poke yourself in the eye and you're like you know what i'm not feeling this today but obviously your job is to bring joy to other people so how do you like how do you like turn on the happiness in a in a way you balance it yeah the, the balance can be a, a fine line i suppose i think i think okay so i'll talk radio and then perhaps i'll think of a, a story for an event but i think with radio everyone doesn't feel great at 6am in the morning. I don't care who you are. Like if you're waking up to go to work or the kids have woken you up, there's this thing where you're thinking, oh, you know what? I just need to get to breakfast. And I think that's the best thing about a breakfast show because the minute you start talking about food, that's it. You've won your audience over. I know for me, (laughs) if I'm talking about a fry up, I'm instantly happy again. So I think you have to find the most ordinary, um, simple things that the people you've got the least in common with can still get your vibe and they can still agree with you. Um, And so whether that's 6am in the morning or 6pm at night and you're thinking, oh, I need to get to this party, but I can't bother to go in the rain. You then start talking about girls... Bring your flats, man, because you know what time it is. As soon as that rain goes, you're not trying to walk around in heels. You're trying to go in your flats. So, yeah, you just find the simple moments that bring a smile to people's face. If it makes you smile, it hopefully will make someone across the airwaves smile as well. And I think you nailed it there. The food is one of those relatable things that everyone (laughs) will kind of jump on the bandwagon with. Yeah, food, you cannot go wrong. I always feel like with breakfast shows, like I've always saluted the presenters because I thought it seems like an amazing job to be doing because it's kind of like you're waking up the nation almost. Like you're the first voice that they might hear and it must be such an amazing feeling. But then I don't think I could do the early mornings. It must take a lot to kind of really get yourself in that zone to make sure that even though you might be feeling so tired inside, you're able to kind of project the happiness and that that voice um, on air and, you know, not show not show the listeners how tired you might be. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes the listeners appreciate that you may be tired, but also... You know, it's the same way I look at, I don't know, I was never good with numbers at school. Like, I thank goodness for Miss Bones, my maths teacher, who got my A in GCSE maths. But sometimes I look at these kids and think, rah, boy, I don't know how you're doing these hard sums and whatever. And the same way they must look at me and think, rah, sis, I don't know how you're getting up at whatever time to do your radio show. But when you're in your element, you do just find the energy and the stories to talk about. Um, and, you know, I think I think radio is about, you know, you having that conversation. And, and sometimes you have to be really relatable. I mean, in the climate that we're in, people are in lockdown. You are living Groundhog Day for some people. And you have to be that voice that says, I know it's tough and I know that you're feeling it as well as I'm feeling it. How can we brighten each other's day up? And I think that's why radio, if any of the mediums, have really, really just rocketed in lockdown. Because, yeah, radio is just that medium where you feel like you're talking to your friends. Yeah, I think with with anything like in work, sometimes it does get tedious. Like, Like even if you're Ed Sheeran and you're performing to Wembley every night, you're like, eventually you're like, I've got to go and do that again. But then I guess when you look around and it's six in the morning, you're a bit grumpy or whatever, but then you look around like, I get to do something that I kind of, that I set out that I wanted to do. It must just kind of bubble with euphoria. Like what was, when you wanted to get into presenting, did you get into it because you were like, I'm such a, an infectious like 
happy person that I want to do that? Or did you want to get into it? And then that's brought that side out more? Or have you have you always, what I'm trying to say to us is, have you always been like a little ball of sunshine? <laughs> um, I think, I think the answer would, if I'm totally honest, would have to be no, you know, like I, I started off as a kid very shy. Like I never, my presenting skills started off because I joined a local church when I was about 14 years old and every Friday they'd have a youth service, but on a Monday they'd have a drama group. So you'd go head to head between two groups. And if you won the drama on the Monday, you got to perform it on the Friday. But of course, between Monday and Friday, you'd get a detention, you'd be sick, you'd be doing whatever. And so now you're thinking, rah, you know, so-and-so is not here for drama you've got to play the mum the dad and the dog in this drama and you've got to really <laughs> make it up as you go along but I think doing that from the age of 14 15 16 17 18 by the time I got to uni I built up such a confidence because you can't flop in church like no one's gonna go at you to be like oh you forgot your lines and then someone's gonna jump in and, and save you so from my confidence not being very strong to having to do a, a youth group activity, you know, thank God for youth groups, you know, I think that for me was my training ground. And so now as a presenter, there's loads of things that happen on stage. There's a little bit of a drama group where you're playing different roles or you're having to empathize here or or put your hat on over here. So yeah, having come out of that background, I never dreamed of going into radio. Like my dad is a chef and my mum's an HR. No one in my family has got a radio bone in their body. No one does presenting, but I think it came naturally because when I was in a youth group, this is what we were doing day in, day out. And I really, really loved it. And I think my happiest moment is, is bringing people together, even in lockdown, you know, if it's a family quiz or a game of Scrabble or, you know, whatever it may be, a Zoom call, I've, I found the gift or a knack for bringing people together. And I think... Yeah, that's where when I was young, that's what I was doing. So for me, it doesn't make much much of a of a difference to do it, even if it's in the job context. I really, really enjoy it. That's amazing. So, you, so you created something called Too Much Sauce. So I was checking out on your your website, and that's created to kind of celebrate creatives from the Black British community. So obviously, that's a, a huge part of of you, and it will bring out a level of happiness because you're you're celebrating and stuff like that. What made you want to get into that and what do you get from doing something like that? Yeah, too much sauce is, oh, the buzz, the buzz of buzz. <laughs> um, well, of course, it's around Black History Month and I think growing up in school, you just get fed the American narrative, which is cool. Like, we love the MLKs, we love you, Malcolm X, like, we love you guys. But what about us in the UK? Like, we're killing it right now and we want to celebrate people who are not just past. I, I believe that, yeah, we want to look to the people who've gone before us, but there's people cooking up some good sauce in, in 2018, 2019, 2020. And so for me, it was just looking around my friendship circle and seeing the DJs, seeing the presenters, seeing um, the doctors and nurses all just playing their role in whatever field they're in and wanting to celebrate them. And so Too Much Sauce is part exhibition. The exhibition is open five days a week. And then in the evening, it comes to life. So the people who you see on the walls will come down and share their story around how they got into that job or um, yeah, just what they may be doing. And it is this cluster of young people, young people um, from backgrounds that you would just never expect or hear their stories on the mainstream, you know, big, big news. Yeah. So, yeah, we held it in Carnaby Street, which was a big win called um, We Built This City. They're, I don't, before lockdown, I'm not too sure if their shop is still there. They may be renovating, but they, they started off and they didn't have any black creatives in their shop, which is wild. They are a high street shop. And if 
you're black and you walk in and you want to buy a card for your mum, it's a bit orcs if all the cards have got white faces on it and you're like, right, I don't really, <laughs> that don't really look like my mum. So <laughs> when we came in, I had um, five creators, five women, and also Aaron, actually, a guy who um, does print. And they, by the end of the, the exhibition, and I didn't plan for this, again, something random that happened, but they permanently stocked all of the artists that we brought in so that their their range of artists was was diverse. And you just think, wow, that was 2018. And given the conversations we're having today, it's huge. Um, but that's what we want to celebrate. We want to see ourselves in every sphere, whatever the, whatever the industry may be. But yeah, celebrating people who otherwise wouldn't make mainstream telly, TV, radio, whatever medium, um, and putting their names forward to say, yeah, check those guys out. They're doing amazing stuff. And I guess that is inspiring and motivational, especially for the next generation coming through. And it is something that will have a knock-on effect to to the young people of today coming up. Yeah, hugely, hugely, because even I didn't plan. I, the, the source ran over these five days and, and all the analogies and metaphors will come in. But during the five days, people's grandparents came and then their kids came. And there was a whole generation crossover over the five days where kids were looking at the people on the wall thinking, I didn't even know that job existed. And it's true. Sometimes as, as you know, for my journey, I'll tell you, when I went to school and I got all my straight A's, we had two groups. We had the black and ethnic minority group and then you had the white kids group and the white kids got to go to Cambridge and the black and ethnic minority kids got to go to UEL. Now, there's no problem with UEL and there's absolutely no problem with Cambridge. But why did two groups who achieved the same grades got to go to two different uh, universities is mind-blowing. So by yeah. the time you get to an age where you're thinking, what do I want to do for work? Some of the limitations that I've put upon you you just don't know the job world that well. So yeah, as a 10 year old, I would, my mind would be blown to not just see someone's photo on the gallery wall, but to speak to that person, hear about their story. How did they get that job? Um, and so yeah, lots of good conversations from mental health to jobs, to love and romance, to family, loads of that came together in the five days. So I was really, really proud of what happened. Do you think the industry is changing? Like with obviously with all the conversations that's going on, like can you see a difference being made and things changing? Yeah, I am so, um, the thing that has taken me back since George Floyd's death and since these conversations around race is that the I would like to believe because I've been in circles where for my work in particular, the people at the top um, are having these conversations and it's trickling down. So a good story would be, um, yeah, at KISS, we wanted to have a response and 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 I was very aware that I didn't want it to be tokenistic. I didn't want it to be, oh, let's just get all the black voices and hear from their experiences. And so I said quite bravely, look, I think I want to have a conversation with the people at the top. And they were very gracious and said, yeah, let's set that up. And now there's a thing of, you know, reverse mentoring, which... To be fair, I d I've never done before, but it's come about where I'm going to reverse mentor Steve Parkinson, who's a big deal, you know, a big guy over in Bauer at Kiss and, and just huge and mentor him. And in reverse, he'll mentor me about business and whatnot. But I think oh, it's wow. having those conversations. This is what I'm saying. You know, these conversations two years ago in my head were a dream. Like, what are you doing? Not even just having conversations around race, let alone reverse mentoring. But yeah, in my world, and I'm sure worlds will look different across the industry and perhaps not not everything is, um, 
I'm only reflecting on what I can say for my experience, but it's been a very positive one and, and a lot of conversations that you would be having in the group chat are now having at the higher level. So that for me is really positive and I hope that would bring about positive change. And I, 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 I bet that obviously it's going to bring a, a positive change, but I think for you personally, in terms of kind of who you are, you can look in the mirror and say that you're making a step forward and you're doing that and you're kind of, I feel like it'd be so easy for people in the industry as well to just kind of say, you know what, I don't want to speak up, I don't want to get too involved because this is my career and my livelihood and I don't know what impact it's going to have. But at least you're looking in the mirror, you're being true to yourself, which inadvertently obviously says, well, I'm going to be happier in myself because I'm being true and I'm being honest. Yeah, the happiest moment for me, you know, I, I hope people can distinguish between happiness and joy. So for me, happiness is a thing of, you know, your emotions will dictate how you feel today and whether the sun is shining or you've had breakfast this morning, you can feel happy. And if Pret is open for that porridge, then it's a happy day. We're good. <laughs> Always with the food swords. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just a food podcast now. As soon as that Pret is closed and my porridge is not there, it's a different kind of day. But then you have a joy, so a deep-seated joy. And I think for me, as a Christian in a faith where, yeah, I understand heaven and I understand that this world is not it and things are changing and we always strive to have things that look heaven-like. So one of them is 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 harmony between people and one regardless of where you come from. So for me to look in the mirror and think, I'm going to play my part. And the sad thing is I'm still having to play a part when my parents thought, let me play my part so my kids don't have to um, struggle with the same conversations. Well, the truth is we're still struggling with the same conversations. But if it means I get to play my part, have conversations with a Steve Parkinson and things change permanently, that is a win. That is a huge, huge win. And so wherever you may be, you have to pick up the conversation. You can't turn a blind eye to it because it hinders you, even if you're not affected by conversations around race. All of us will be hindered if not everyone has an equal footing, you know? So, um, yeah, that, sorry, going back to the idea of, of happiness and joy. Sometimes joy doesn't look like the party, the breakfast. It's not that kind of joy. It's a joy of I played my part and there was integrity with this and I did what I could do. And if that takes me one step, two step, three steps forward rather than 10, 20, 30, that is still a win for me and I'll take that any day of the week. So, yeah, that for me is is... Yeah, another deep-seated joy that I just wouldn't give up for the world, really. Could you hear so many people talking about kind of like the inner happiness? And I don't think it is dependent on money and obviously materialistic things. And this is stuff that me and Sarah have discussed in other episodes. But for you, like, what is it that does make you kind of... You, if you said, like, this is what I'm doing and make it... So, yeah, it's great to go out and present. But what is it internally that gives you that kind of that happy feeling? I think internally that gives me that happy feeling is is loving people and i think my disposition on loving people was um or is the idea and this sounds so cheesy but this is me this is what i have to offer us we like cheesy it's cool <laughs> <laughs> my my cheese is that people are made in the image of god and therefore they're made with dignity and value and worth and they have stories to tell and it doesn't matter how much money they're making it doesn't matter the color of their skin it doesn't matter where they're born in the world doesn't matter where they go to school they intrinsically have such a worth and a value attached to them that you can't rob that but the minute something comes into conflict with that you have to pick up the conversation and fight for those things. And so that's why for the Grenfell anniversary, three, well, third year anniversary marking this year, 14th of June, you know, three years ago, 
the different boss at Kiss said to me, or the conversation was, you will lose your job if you go to volunteer because this is such a political issue. And I said, no, it's a people issue. Yeah. The idea that people died in a tower block is a people issue. And I bet you a good number of those people listen to Kiss. And so for me and my integrity, that came into question. Do I just sit pretty and sit in the studio and just carry on as normal? Or do I leave the plush life that I suppose Kiss is, has given me in the, in the context of a studio and go and just put my little bun up and put my rucksack on and go down and volunteer? And it was there when I volunteered that I made good relationships with people and I just was open to a whole new world of when you truly believe people are made with value and worth and dignity, you can see that on the ground that perhaps you can't see in rooms where you're not present, you know? You you can't hear those voices because they're simply not there. But fast forward three years, Ziad, who walks and leads the silent walk for Grenfell, he came onto my breakfast show, not, not anyone else's, my breakfast show, and shared the 72 names of people we will always remember who lost their lives in the fire. And that, for me, was another moment of deep-seated joy. There weren't balloons, there weren't fireworks. It was just this moment of what I chose to do three years ago has proven the right thing. And I knew it was the right thing and it wasn't that I needed to know, but three years later, the guy who leads the silent walk is on the show talking about this year's anniversary and reading out the 72 names. That for me, Mm. probably my highlight of radio, like I never saw that come in. And when it happened, I just thought, wow, look at what change can happen and what you can do when you just have integrity and you step out. Yeah, I, th- I think with obviously, and I, I definitely wanted to touch on the activism stuff because I know that you're you're such a kind of, that's so key to who you are and, and you did something with BBC Three about climate change. And I think having those beliefs rather than, like, I, I bet you do have the glam side as well. Being a, being a radio DJ, you do get to go to the parties. You do get to meet exciting people from all different areas and kind of live that kind of lifestyle as well. But it seems to you that it's not about kind of, getting in a limo and drink, drinking some champagne. Do you know what I mean? It seems like it's more, you kind of know your values and you know what actually does bring you true happiness in that sense. Yeah, definitely. And, and to be honest with you, like the most part, the party-ish life that I live, if my friends were not DJs, because I'm so small, mosh pits and me are not friends, you know? <laughs> me and mosh pits do not get on. And I'm just thinking, I don't know how people risk their lives going in this mosh pit, but... For me, the sense of a party is that, yeah, all my friends and, you know, Chen, Chris, all these guys who host really good events, it's a, it's the music and it's the feel of the people that you're with and seeing, you know, for me, that's what I'm missing most in lockdown is not only just hosting the events, but for me, being a host. And that's where I distinguish myself from a presenter, if I like. Like, as a host, you greet people at the door, shake their hand, take their coat, give them a drink, show them their seat. You want people to be so involved with the event that by the time I touch mic and I'm on... They've already fallen in love with me. They're like, yeah, that girl, I didn't even know she was the host. But that is what, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want for an event. You want people to feel so at home that by the time the Q&A opens, people feel relaxed to ask what they want to say. You know, people think that the conversation starts when the lights go up. No, the conversation starts the minute your your time is ready for your doors to be open and that first person comes through the door. So, yeah, that's what I'm missing most. But I suppose, yeah, in terms of activism, there is a level of what matters here. We're you, we're only on this earth for a short time. It's like right. as much. Why would I focus all my time on having everything for me? Because if I have it, then big deal. What eventually, yeah. it's, I'm still going to go somewhere anyway. So while I'm here for this short time, I might as well just kind of spread the 
the joy and and that doesn't have to be on kind of a monetary way it's with your time like when you went volunteering or kind of your compassion or your empathy and things like that and and to add to that jack you know things feed into things what i've learned is that the lives are not separate you 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 don't just have to do all the volunteering and goody two shoes over here you know and then you just have radio and what the beauty or the joy or my happiest moment are when those two worlds collide those two worlds come together because I'm not just Swazi, the Grenfell activist, and then Swazi, the Kiss FM breakfast show host. No, I'm both. I am one person. So if I want those yeah. two worlds to overlap, I then make sense as a person. My direction, my conversations make sense. And, you know, the thing of being young and I think starting off in church and starting off as a as a drama, you know, I was just playing dramas was that you You belong. And that's what I got from a young age. I belonged to a friendship group. I belonged to a youth group. And when I wasn't there, I was missed. And people would call me up and say, where are you at, Swaz? Or, you know, and I think that sense of belonging gives you permission to be in love with what you like to do. Yeah. So, you know, you may not like to do radio, but you might like this. But actually, throw yourself into that. Do it with all your heart because it will feed into every other bit of your life. You are a whole person. Um, so, yeah, when those two worlds collide, that's when, yeah, my happiest moments come, I suppose. It sounds like the, the whole kind of community and, like, people aspect of things. This is something that I feel like has been a theme throughout um, our episodes so far, is that interaction with people and doing something that will have an impact on the other like not it's not just completely kind of selfish things I feel like that seems to be something that brings a lot of happiness for people and especially from what you've been saying it sounds the same for you yeah do you know what I'll share this story to I hope bring the picture of it when we was on the ground um two days after Grenfell Tower fire we were just I don't know if you remember the thousands of people who came down which told me innately we have an idea of what community is to look like, right? People are in need. And so people came from every corner of the world, it felt, and just landed in West London. Now me, I'm East London, so I don't really know West London too tough like that. Unless I'm going for carnival, I'm in East or I'm in like, yeah, never really touching West like that. So by the time I dropped, I was like, right, I don't really know where I am too tough, but there were bags of donations that needed boxing up. So here we are, 11 a.m. boxing up and people kept growing to the point of about 200 people or so. So I had to jump on this chair and just kind of give instructions for people to say, right, let's do bedding over here, babies, women, men. Anyway, by about half 11, we've run out of boxes because the force, the task force is grown. And this truck pulled out of nowhere. This truck pulled up and said, Rebecca, Rebecca, I'm looking for Rebecca. I said, me? I don't even look like a Rebecca, but for today, I will be Rebecca. So I ran over <laughs> to the man and I said, <laughs> I said, oh, hi, um, I'm Rebecca. And he said, hi, Rebecca, we've got 700 boxes for you. Oh my God. I said, what? I said, yeah, he said, yeah, someone's ordered 700 boxes. I said, who? I didn't order no, oh, but I'm Rebecca, right? So yeah, yeah, 700 boxes. And he just said, yeah. And when I got back up on the chair, the, the number one thing people always say, oh, you know, how did you organize everyone? And I said, no, the first thing I said when I got on the chair was, can we get a cheer for the volunteers? And this noise of yay, clapping, cheering under the glare of Grenfell Tower, you couldn't get polar opposites if you tried to you couldn't get more of an image and a sound that was so opposite but because of the 700 boxes and i'll tell you that was one story of many miracles throughout the day where people just turned up people wow. just arrived and things were met there and then that now i carry into events and i have this sense of when people come together great and extraordinary things happen i've seen it i've lived it so it, it gives me that infectious to kind of 
go in and, and demonstrate that. So yeah, I say all of that to say that by the time you get to that event and then you do other community events where, you know, there are other glares of a Grenfell, aren't there? There are so many things in the world, COVID, racism, and all of these things that look down on us. But actually it is once people do come together, you can change that story very quickly. Um, and so, yeah, having seen it, having lived it, I don't doubt it, things like that can happen again. That's beautiful. I, I, I felt like I was getting a tear to my eye. That's such a, a motivational story. And that's one of many things, you know, that you look in history, you look at MLK and you think of the protests and you think of what people were able to change. You look at what's happening now. You know, we see things recycle, recycle. But if people are listening, don't give up hope. It was the people that changed things from the bottom up rarely do things happen from the up to the bottom yeah you gotta always fight for what you know is to be right and when that happens and you celebrate that that is the the refilling of the happiness that's the refilling of the joy that gives you the next strength to go again and go again and go again so yeah i think if you live in a world that is very um uh, protected from that or you don't engage with that i'm sure the luxuries of money and following and all of those things come to an end you must get bored of that it's not real and and those things never satisfy but what things do satisfy it is those moments where you see miracles with your own eyes and you make friends with strangers and by that time you're like right well that's happened why can't it happen again and then you set foot out again and things happen so yeah I think I've been very um yeah lucky in a way to just meet good people along the journey you can't do these things by yourself it doesn't work like that um, you have to go arm in arm with people, don't you? So yeah, give thanks for good people and good moments like that. Being connected in a community can have a significant impact on our quality of life and happiness as it provides us with a sense of belonging, which is vital for us all. There's significant scientific evidence showing the positive benefits that come when we connect with people locally. These can include reducing the risk of depression, lowering the risk of heart disease and increasing how long we live. Was there a point in your career where you were like, I've, I feel like I've reached some of my goals that have just brought me like, because a lot of people that, that kind of, you listen to interviews of famous actors or actresses, they're kind of lying in bed and they're always dreaming of that kind of, that BAFTA or getting that call to say, you, when you were entering the competition, I bet you were laying in bed going, please pick me, please pick me. Like you're, you're waiting for that. And then you get that phone call. Was there like a moment where you were like, I've done it. Like, I'm so happy that I kind of ticked the boxes. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think with the radio gig, it was actually my boyfriend, you know. My boyfriend said, why don't we go down to the audition day and pretend that you're a Kiss FM presenter? We'll do your show reel and then people will just say, yeah, I really want to be a bit like you because you're a presenter at Kiss. And obviously I wasn't. So by the time I made the Top 20 Academy, people were like, hold on a minute. <laughs> She's a fraud. And I was like, yeah, guys, I'm not actually a Kiss presenter. But I went through the Academy and I think, you know... You, there's that saying isn't it that you master a craft after 10,000 of 10,000 hours of putting in the work yep. um and so I didn't appear on the scene with just a microphone in my hand I'm, I'm saying that my journey as a 14 year old doing dramas and then I won a competition to do basketball presenting so catch this now I can't even reach these six foot <laughs> 400 tall basketball players we're having to do most of the interviews sitting down unless I'm in like platform shoes so loads of these things you're learning on the go and I think People are very scared about that. I go into a lot of TV meetings and the thing, the, 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 um, some of the feedback that I get is, oh, she loves to take risks. And I'm like, but that's where the best magic happens yeah. is when you take a risk, when you don't quite know everything, when you haven't got it all planned out. And for my life and my journey, 
that is me winning competitions. I don't know if I'm gonna get the job, but by the time you do get the job, like a kiss presenter job, you're so grateful because you worked hard for it that every morning at six o'clock, that could be someone else. I've got to give 100%. I've got to turn the fader up and be like, yeah, it's me. And I'm ready to tell you whatever goss i got to tell you about my baked beans and whatever, you know? <laughs> because I'm like, wow, it could have been anyone, but I worked hard for it and I got through. And I think people shouldn't be afraid to celebrate their wins. We live in sometimes a Britishness where we're very reserved, yeah. aren't we? We're not, we're not good at saying, I'm really good at this and I want to put myself forward. We always want to shy away from that. And, and of course, you want to handle humility and pride very carefully. You want to strike that balance. But there is no stress in saying, yeah, I'm good at this. I'm a good host. I, I love hosting conversations and I'm good with that. Um, but the problem is we see things by clout now, don't we? We go by following and we go by socials and and sometimes you book people for the wrong job because of what you've seen but not by what you've heard of experience and i think yeah i'm not i hope i wouldn't ever um fall into that really it's like you always want to be good at your craft because you're doing your craft in person well until lockdown list but in person <laughs> rather than just doing things um because you've got a nice pretty cv at the end of it you want to be in the dirt doing it with your own hands so um, but yeah, celebrate the wind all, all all the way. That is also a good good trick to happiness. It's quite nice to hear someone who's slightly like like you said you you've kind of just been winging it and taking it as it comes, and then things just work out by chance. And I went into uni not doing anything to do with radio or media, um, and I just thought, oh, student radio, like that sounds like fun. You know, I'll give that a go. Not not being something that I'd ever really considered. It's like you always have to put yourself out there um, because otherwise you'll never get those opportunities that you really want to do. And and as much as you you see it in yourself don't you but the, the the most baffling thing is we see it in other people we see other people who are amazing at something and it only takes a good word of encouragement to be like go on bro like, go on sis go and do that why don't you pick yourself up and go and it's only i'm in an r in i'm in an r in but we are so like that ourselves and if you do not have a good network of friends or people around you to say the things that you would not naturally say to yourself you can hinder yourself and miss out on opportunities. So, so many people think, oh, wow, you're great at Kisswas. It was my boyfriend who said, you should go for that. Go for it. You're really good. And I never thought about radio. Um, but the truth of winging it, and I think this is the conversation around experience versus expertise. How much expertise do I truly have? <laughs> Not a lot. How much experience do I have? Yeah, tons loads. I'm going to always roll with the experience, you know what I mean? And always pick up on things that have come into, yeah, whenever I've done something. But whether I'm host, you know, basketball players half the time are not media trained. So when I was young, they didn't always give me fantastic answers. And then I thought, okay, I need to warm them up. I need to ask them about food first because they're loving, you know, whatever the menu's saying. <laughs> always food. So by the time I interviewed Craig David, I think my first question to him on the mic was, what did you have for breakfast today? Now people think, oh, that's a fantastic question. No, that was because back in the day, these basketball players were not giving me nothing. So all of these things along the way, they I'm telling you, they bleed into every area of your life. You do have to get up and do it because if you don't have the experience, you'll lose out if you don't have the expertise. It's a lot about experience in my field and I'm sure for other fields as well. Um, so yeah, if you can eat as much experience as you can, definitely, definitely do that. Obviously, the, the whole aspect of this is people say happy as Larry. So there's this bloke out there, imaginary bloke, or maybe where is he, what is he doing? We're trying to find out. And we're trying to work out why he is so happy all the time because we're imagining that his kind of happiness bar is 
full to 100 all the time. So what do you think, if you just kind of had to sum it up in a nutshell, what do you think are like the key things that bring happiness, I guess, to yourself that we could say, right, that's definitely what Larry's doing as well? Oh, my mate Larry. I really do hope to meet this guy. I want to know the keys. (laughs) You know, if I'm totally honest, and I don't know who is going to listen to this, but we are in a pandemic, aren't we? We are in a crisis Jobs have been lost. Um, Yeah, we've had a few rocky moments, even in my family and friends who have lost loved ones. Um, And so it's the message that I heard at 14 years old. It was the fact that um, I am imperfect. I'm not the perfect person. I'm going to get things wrong. Um, But 2000 years ago, a guy called Jesus rocked up. um, And if he said what he said and did what he did, and then if he died on a cross and rose again, that is a little bit like, raw. I've got to really reckon with this guy. And I think when Jesus says things about happiness and being content, he says things like, um, what good is it to gain the world and lose your life? And that is, a, that is a motto that I go by, you know, what good is it really for me to gain all these luxuries of the world that I will just never be able to take to the next? I can't take my money, can't take my Instagram following, but I can take people and I can take family and 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 those moments to me and deepening relationships um that's what i would hope larry is about it is about people and and those friendships and relationships because in this crisis whether it's racism or covid that's what's got me through um and we were meant to have this conversation a couple weeks back to be honest and i said to you guys who are very kind i'm not in a right space you know of I'm experiencing grief, I'm experiencing all these things and I'm not in a happy place. But in those moments, one, it was the gospel and knowing, okay, well, if Jesus died, rose again and seen heaven, then okay, heaven's sorted, that's good. I don't have to worry about that side of life. But for the here and now, I needed friends to Zoom call me. I needed people to cycle by and social distance in my garden. I needed people. Um, I didn't need money. I didn't need an ASOS delivery. I didn't need all these things. (laughs) That on another day would, you know, bring me that temporary happiness. But what I needed was joy. Um, And so, yeah, I think Larry, I hope, would be someone who's a good friend and would have a good friendship circle and would know how to cook well so that we can come over for dinner, Larry, and sit down. (laughs) Always with the food, Swazi. (laughs) (laughs) I think there is something in, you know, jokes aside, who we eat with, who we dine with says a lot. And that's culturally, that spans generations and, and cultures. Um, but yeah, what, what have I done? I've eaten with people and I've had dinners and I pray that Vapiano's will stay open after lockdown. Um, but yeah, if Larry's going to be anything, I hope he's a chef and I hope he's a good friend because I think those two things, um, would hope to make him very, very a happy Larry. Thank you, Swazi. Thank you so much. You're such an infectious person and you've offered so much to the conversation today. So thank you so much. Yeah. It's been amazing to have your joyful presence on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And I think it's time for some breakfast now. (laughs) Or lunch. Jack, it's half one. Thanks for listening. I've been Sarah Tabar. And I've been Jack Frimston. Join us next week when we'll be discussing our childhood memories and why they make us so happy. <laughs>